You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Quite a number of years ago, I took a stand at the Human Resource Development Conference in London's Excel Centre, down in the docks near London City Airport. Myself and my son, who was only 18 at the time, so it's 14 years ago, went over to man the stand, so to speak, for those couple of days. And I also had the opportunity to make a presentation at the conference. Just as an aside, before we go any further, there were an awful lot of people at this conference selling what they described as team building events. So you had, for example, a stand that was devoted to a particular assault course out in the middle of nowhere in Norfolk. I'm not sure what that has to do with team building, but people who actually do that kind of thing to build up the leadership team or management team in an organization seem to think it works. Whereas I know for a fact that an awful lot of people end up fighting with each other at events like that. And some people love when other people fall on their faces, preferably knee deep in mud. And one more aside in relation to that, there was one particular stand that had an assault tank as its centerpiece. And my son was wandering around the place, 18 years of age, and he goes up and engages, as he does with people, to have a conversation about what was an assault tank doing on a stand at a human resource development conference. And they said, oh, this is this is one of the key ways of building uh, teamwork. You know, you actually break the team into groups and they fight each other. Now, think about what I've just said, because clearly the guy who was talking to my son hadn't thought it through at all. We build up a team by having them fight with each other. My son pointed it out to him and walked away with a grin on his face. Anyway, that's a complete and utter digression. What I wanted to do, first of all, was talk about the presentation that I made, because, as I said, I had the opportunity to stand up and talk about the importance of being present in the here and now. Now, let me put that another way, because some people will think that's a little bit airy-fairy. I talked about the importance of having presence, of tuning in to what you're doing, of being properly focused, and ensuring that you have the right impact and leave the right impression. That's basically what I was talking about for 40 minutes. I was obviously also talking about how you actually train yourself, or should I say retrain yourself, to be present. We were all present when we were young and impressionable. That's why we were impressionable, because we were so present. We were open to the kind of impressions that other people made on us and left with us. So we're not 
training ourselves when we, for example, meditate to develop our ability to be present. We're not training ourselves to do something new. We're retraining ourselves to shed the baggage that blocks us from being present in the here and now, the baggage of our own thoughts in particular, as we've said before, the baggage of the formative thoughts that give us the impression of who we think we are, what psychology calls the conceptual self. So that's what I was talking about for 40 minutes. And then I was wandering around the exhibition a little later on in the afternoon, and someone came up to me and said, that was a great presentation you made about ensuring that you're present when you have something important to do. I said, how do you mean, you know, like turning up to make a presentation, like you were making a presentation? I said, that's not what I was talking about. I wasn't talking about ensuring that you're present when you have something important to do. First of all, how do you know what you're doing now is not important? Or how do you know when something is important and something isn't important? Normally, we only know that because we think that way. So in other words, if I had a big presentation to make, which was the point my friend was making, I would ensure that I would do my utmost to be present for that presentation. Because I believe it to be an important set piece, so to speak. But very often, or mostly in life, the important stuff happens outside the boardroom, away from the presentation stage, it happens when we least expect it. As I have said to people for the last 26 years, you never know when you're going to meet the next important stranger in your life. The people who are closest to you in your life now, the people who are most important to you in your life now, were once complete strangers until something happened that you were tuned in enough to run with so that they became special people. And very often in personal relationships, the something that happens is what might loosely be described as falling in love. Sometimes it isn't, and sometimes fall, people fall out of love as well. But the point I'm making is that sometimes there is a spark that demands or produces a higher than normal level of presence in the moment. And as I said, that is often the case when people, when two strangers collide and end up being best friends. Certainly that's what happened with myself and my best friend. But the fact is that you could be standing next to the next most important stranger in your life, queuing for your lunch, waiting for a bus, standing on the platform, waiting for a train. These are the things that normal people call coincidence or chance or simple happenstance. These are the things that Carl Jung described as synchronicity. In other words, something is synchronizing in that moment in your life, which is important. Deepak Chopra talks about this at length in his book, not so well titled Synchro Destiny. I don't know who in the marketing department of the publishing company came up with that, but basically he's talking about important things happening in your life in a synchronous way. In other words, let me put it in the way some people will say, you know, the planets have aligned or the stars lined up or, you know, all the ducks were lined up in a row and something happened that was kind of magic. 
that's the way it will often be described, as I said a couple of minutes ago, you know, as almost dumb luck. It's not dumb luck. It is this coincidence of events that isn't actually chance or coincidence. It is something happening for you that leads you in the direction that perhaps you want your life to go, or if you're more tuned in, will lead you in the direction that is best for you in your life. These things are happening all of the time. And an awful lot of people will say, oh, something happened and it was so out of the blue and it was so different it was so from left field it was just the right thing happening in the right way at the right time that i couldn't but stand up and take notice be present notice what was actually going on but these things are actually happening all of the time and we don't notice them and of course we don't notice them because, like my friend at the Excel Centre in London, most people will only decide that they need to G themselves up to be present when they think they have something important to do. There is no such thing as an unimportant now, for if for no other reason than we live our lives in nows. So this now is your life. There are important things happening in your life for you now. That's the second time I've used the phrase things happening for you. Because an awful lot of people with whom I work say that things happen to them over the years that have left them, you know, sometimes psychologically damaged. Some of the people with whom I've worked have had dreadful impressions left upon them by things that were done quote, to them when they were young and impressionable. I was talking to somebody recently who was still harboring a huge amount of anger and hostility over something that had happened in his professional life two years ago. So he was still going around laboured and burdened by the belief that something had happened to him. Nothing happens to us in life. Everything in life happens for us. If we are properly tuned in, we will begin to realize that even the bad things that have befallen us, or the bad people who we have encountered, and I've encountered lots of bad people over the years, I would not be here were it not for the bad people that I encountered. You and I, wouldn't be talking. Well, I'm talking and you're listening, but you know what I mean. Were it not for the things that a normally minded person would say, they're happening to us. They were done to us. No. Everything will lead us in the right direction, where we want to go, or as I said a minute ago, if you're properly tuned in, where is best for you. If our minds are properly synchronized, with what is actually going on. That's the basic meaning of the word synchronicity. I'm synchronized into what's going on. You know, I was talking to a particular lady a couple of months ago, and she said, I didn't realize I was swimming in a sea of opportunity because I had my eyes shut. She said, actually, I thought I was drowning in the sea, the choppy waves of ordinary everyday life. Whereas when I opened my eyes, I realized I was bobbing up and down in a sea 
of opportunities that arise and pass away, because everything arises and passes away, that arise and pass away moment to moment, now to now. And as I said a couple of minutes ago, more often than not, at times when the thinking mind would not expect them. So like everything else, if we want to live our lives to the full, we need to put our thinking mind down. Hence my continuing emphasis on meditation. <laughs> meditation enables us to put our thinking mind down, but that's only the start of what meditation enables us to do. Meditation ultimately tunes us into the here and now and tunes us into the synchronicity of life. Now, it may come as a surprise to you, but there is quite an amount of recent research that explains how synchronicity works and what it actually is. Very briefly, there are events happening all around us all of the time. We talked, for example, over the last couple of weeks about events happening in the background, so to speak, behind the scenes, so to speak, in particular last week's story, where things were happening in the background that brought about the outcome that my client dearly desired without her doing anything other than taking a step back whereby she stopped meddling in a situation that literally just happened for her at the end of the day because of the synchronicities in the background. These things are happening all of the time. 96% of people will not notice a synchronicity because 96% of people are not in control of their own mind. They are not present. Their minds are buried in the baggage of their past that is creating their version of reality today. 4% of people will notice a synchronicity for what it is from time to time. And a small subset of that 4% will notice synchronicities and recognize them for what they are all of the time. You see, let's pause for just a moment because it is easy even for the normally minded person to look back with the benefit of hindsight and say, oh yes, that was something that happened that changed my life. That was a turning point in my life. I met somebody who literally took me off in a new direction in my life. That obviously was the next most important stranger at that moment in time. It's easy to look back in hindsight and pinpoint those things, but really, the real action in living our lives to the full is recognizing synchronicity for what it is while it's happening so that we can not just notice it and recognize it, but we can embrace it and enable the whole process of us moving forward with our lives to the lives we would love to have simply, to use a word from the University of Chicago, flow. These events are happening all of the time. The latest research shows that these events become, if you like, a synchronicity when I notice that something is going on in real time that is important in terms of me moving forward. I may not understand why it's important. I have an instinctive feel that it is important. And you see, that instinctive feel is so important. This part of our minds, our subcortical brain, our subconscious mind, our gut instinct, our intuition, is the part of us that 
as I've said in various episodes before, this is the part of us that knows the direction we need to take right now, the things we need to do right now, the things we need to avoid doing right now. I have again and again, and at the risk of laboring the point, I will say it again, explained that this is what this part of the brain does naturally if we get out of our own way. This part of the brain is designed to ensure that if I find, found myself in a sticky situation when I was a hunter-gatherer, I would immediately know the quickest and safest and the most effective and least effortful route to take to get me out of that situation, because I would know exactly what's going on. I wouldn't have time to think about it. Transpose that to our modern lives. This is what I'm talking about. This is the state of mind in which we find ourselves when we are present and in flow. And we need for the sake of living our own lives to the full, to be present and in flow as much as is humanly possible every day. And the more, the more you train your mind to do this, you get to the point where that means most of the time every day. I, I'm not sure if it's humanly possible to be in flow 24 seven. I just don't know. Uh, I, I've never experienced it, but I will, tell you that I experience being in flow for long periods of time every day. And so do many of the people with whom I work. In fact, some people actually, I think, experience more than I do. And my thinking mind sometimes would prod me and say, hold on, you're actually teaching people this. Well, how come they're better at it than you are? But that's only my thinking mind. That's comparative thinking. And comparative thinking is one of the worst forms of corrosive cognitive activity that we can engage in in our lives. Back to the key thing that I want to talk about. Synchronicity is happening anyway. Opportunity is happening anyway. These events are happening around us all of the time. We notice it and it becomes what could be defined as a synchronicity when it is synchronous to the direction in which we want our lives to go. And as I said, we don't even need to know why. I'll give you a couple of examples. Many, many years ago, I was actually still working in insurance at the times before I even went into banking. And I got it into my head that I wanted to develop a piece of financial planning software. Because that, that, that's originally where I came from. And there was nothing like it around at the time. And I explained it to a few techie people and they hadn't a clue what I was talking about. And I could see an opportunity for it. I actually, in the end, created the opportunity for it, but that's neither here nor there. That's another day's work or another day's story. But I couldn't get anybody to understand what I was talking about. So I decided, right, I'm going to teach myself how to program a computer. That's the logical bit. What happened a couple of weeks later is happenstance, dumb luck, pure chance, or, as I said, synchronicity. I was coming back from a meeting with an insurance broker and it was Dublin, it was pouring rain as it often does in Ireland and rather than take the normal route back to my office I ran through a shopping arcade and through a bookshop. People will know it as Waterstones in Dawson Street. I'm not sure if it was Waterstones at the time but that's neither here nor there. I was running through half half wet I wasn't completely wet through the ground floor of the shop when I tripped and knocked over a pyramid 
of books called How to Program Computers for Beginners. This is so long ago, the For Dummies series was not even a twinkling in a publisher's eye at that moment in time. The name of the book was How to Program for Beginners. And I picked it up and bought it. Now, at the time, I couldn't be absolutely sure as to why I had bought it, even though a few weeks earlier I had come up with a plan. And we all know that plans are never actually implemented in the way in which they're designed. So you have to question the whole value of planning, which is another day's work as well. But I just picked this up and bought it. You might say on the spur of the moment, that book changed my life. Okay, it changed my life in relation to my being able to develop the software that I ultimately did develop and sell. But more importantly, because the whole software thing, as I said, it's another story, and we got involved with venture capitalists, and that was a scenario where the normally-minded person would say, oh, they did something to us. No, they did something for us, because if they not done what they did do, as I said earlier on, you and I wouldn't be talking here today. The real benefit of me stumbling across that book in 1989 was that everything you see in the online program, The Psychology of Success, everything you see on my website, the clever questionnaires uh, that give you feedback straight away, they're all developed by me as a result of my being able to speak a couple of different languages, English, French, bad, I'm very good at bad language, um, PHP, HTML, ASP, and a couple of other bits and pieces. Like, so I can speak computer language as well. And it all came from me tripping over a pile of books. It is a minor synchronicity, but my life is full of minor synchronicities that are actually major synchronicities for the simple reason, as I said earlier on, there is no such thing as an unimportant now. I was talking to a client, a, a, an online program owner in California a couple of days ago, and he was saying, I, I, we'd been on a Zoom a couple of weeks before that where I was talking about the literally a waterfall, a cascade of synchronicities that made our move to France in 2002 uh, simply um, like a stroll in the park. He had actually said at the start of the conversation, there was obviously some big decision making involved. There was some heavy lifting involved in moving from Ireland to France, in particular when our oldest child was th almost 13 at the time. We, we didn't pick up, you know, three little babies and move them to France. They were well established in Ireland before we moved to France. And he said, that must have been heavy lifting. I said, no, it just happened. And then it occurred to me to tell him something that I had forgotten to tell anybody else in probably the last 20 years. And that is, we moved to France, we emigrated from Ireland at a cost of four euros and 95 cents. We bought five 99 cent Ryanair flight tickets on a flash sale. I'd, I'd never had, I'd never come across um, a flash sale, well, I'd come across a load of flash sales for airline tickets before, but any time I went on, all the low-cost stuff was gone. We emigrated to France for 4 95 5 99-cent Ryanair tickets. 
haven't ever come across that opportunity either before or since. Just one of these, as I said earlier on, magic moments. It was one of the things that lubricated the move, which became absolutely effortless. In exactly the same way, we moved to France just before Christmas in 2002. And one of our friends in the village where we already had a small holiday apartment invited us out for dinner on that first Christmas Eve, the five of us. Glutton for punishment he was, obviously, the two of us and three young children who hadn't a word of French at the time. And our French wasn't exactly perfect either. But anyway, we had this wonderful Christmas dinner in a restaurant just out of the centre of the village that we had our apartment in. And we were walking home after dinner when he bumped into another friend of his to whom he introduced us. And the girl in question said, oh, you've just arrived in the village. She's, uh, she said, are you here on holidays? I said, no, we've moved here. And she said, you've moved where? I said, we own a little apartment in a place called La Bérangère. And she said, are you, are you going to build something? Are you going to stay here? You're going to build something more substantial. And we said, oh, yeah, we would love to build uh, a chalet. She said, I'm an estate agent and I have one of the most amazing sites left in this village for sale right now. We signed the contract for that two days after Christmas. That was Christmas Eve. And we signed the contract for that two days afterwards. One more thing, because this is all effortless, and it's effortless because of the nature of synchronicity. I'll come back to that in a moment. One more thing. We signed the contract for that site, obviously subject to us getting planning permission, and we were told, France being France with the red tape, it takes between 12 to 18 months to get planning permission. We applied for planning permission on the 28th of January. We, we, we'd, we'd stumbled across an architect, all the drawings were done. Planning permission was applied for on the 28th of January. On the 14th of February, we got a letter. And because it was in French legalese, I didn't know what it was. So I went to the architect and I said, what is that? I said, it, it actually says on top, arrête. And now arrête in French, French means stop. He said, no, that's arrête. That is actually the granting of the planning permission. He said, and I have never, ever, ever come across planning permission being granted so quickly as that. What had happened? It turned out that we had bought a site right next to a house that was owned by the deputy mayor of the village. And he was obviously so delighted that somebody was building an individual home rather than perhaps three or four apartments that the planning permission was granted in the twinkling of an eye. Now, we didn't even know. We knew, the point is we knew none of this. And the real point I want to make is that synchronicities are happening all of the time, but you have to be open to them. Being open to them makes the opportunities of everyday life become the synchronicities of your life that will lead you forward to the life that your heart desires. We can only open ourselves to this by retraining ourselves to be present in flow in the moment. And we can only do that through meditation, first of all, and then as we progress through what I call mini meditation during the course of the day, so that we bring our clearer state of mind that we cultivate through meditation into the cut and thrust of our day, 
because that is where the synchronicities are happening. That is where our lives are being lived. And that is where your life is happening right now. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.